you are listening to Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Today we welcome Brad Elvis and Chloe Orwell of the Handcuffs to the show. They have a new album out, Burn the Rails, that's inspired by 70s rock. It's got big guitars, great vocals, and Mata Hoople's Morgan Fisher playing some keys. But before we get into all of that, we go deep into Brad's extensive discography. We go so deep that Chloe thinks I'm a wizard. Brad talks about his time with the Elvis Brothers, how they got their name, his very unusual drumming style, and how he and Chloe met. It wasn't Farmers Only, no matter what you've heard. We also talk about Chloe's history, how she got into music, and how her humorous review of Mott the Hoople's reunion resulted in Morgan Fisher playing with the handcuffs. So follow the band at the handcuffs on social media, buy the new album Burn the Rails on Pravda Records, follow us at Performance ANX, pick up merch at performanceanx.threadless.com or get us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety and check out all the other great shows on Pantheon. Now enjoy Brad Elvis and Chloe Orwell of The Handcuffs on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Okay. No, I will. No, but I wanna. I wanna. If you're gonna take the worst one, I wanna do it really, really badly. I mean, I do. I'm a. I do voiceover. Um, as that's my day job, is I'm a commercial voiceover announcer. So, I wanna do it. I wanna do it really crappy. (laughs) Okay. Um. So should we start? Yes. Station ID, take one. No, wait. Podcast ID take one. Hi, I'm Chloe F. Orwell. And I'm Brad Elvis. And we are in the handcuffs, which is a rock band. We are in handcuffs. And we're in handcuffs. Our album is called Burn the Rail. It's new. It's coming out on Pravda Records. Or it might have come out, depending upon when you listen to this. You are listening to Performing. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. Good night. You are listening. You are listening to performing. Si- I can't talk. I cannot talk. You have to give me a script. I can't do it. Well, write it down. So I could write it down. I. It's right there. I can see it on the screen. Oh, okay. Oh, performance anxiety. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're listening to. You're listening to. I'm per- the drummer. Performance anxiety, with Mark the Wizard, as your host. <laughs> oh my God! Should we do it again? I didn't even say. I didn't even say fuck or anything. Ugh. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I'm Chloe. That's Hi. Brad. Nice to meet you guys. I'm Mark. Hey, Mark. Thank you guys for doing this. This is going to be a lot of fun. So, are, what are the rules? Like, should we not swear? Nah, no rules at all. Okay. Do you need more volume? No, I'm fine. Okay. Do you say volume or Valium? I don't know. I don't know. No, volume. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I said. Maybe. Basically, we just have to talk about ourselves and just how great we are. Exactly. See, Brad gets it. Yes. (laughs) And then we go back to our lonely lives in the yard. (laughs) So I I want you to tell me about your mother. All right. Uh, so actually, I kind of do. What I like to find out is how you guys got into music in the first place. Was there a lot of music in the house growing up? You know, was it a big 
part of your life as a child? What kind of effect did music have on you early on? And and Brad, we'll, since you have the longest career, we'll start with you. But not the most successful one. She's... Uh, uh, huh? No. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, let's see. Well... It all started at a 5,000 watt. Yeah, it all started at a 5,000 5, watt radio watts. station in Omaha, Nebraska, <laughs> back in 19... Um, yeah, you know, I grew up... Uh, my parents, it's not like they were musicians or anything, but uh, they, my mom side of the family with her 10 brothers and sisters, because that's what you did back then. Wow. Uh, they could all play pianos and guitars and banjos and mandolins and, Fiddlers. or they could like build things like with wood. They all kind of had this artistic thing. Wow. And, uh, and then I have uh, one older brother, seven years older, and he was the same way he played guitar. Okay. But more like the folk era stuff when I was growing up. And uh, okay. so anyway, I was around that all the time. And my dad loved music. He didn't play any instrument or anything, but he just loved listening to it. And uh, so I grew up in that environment and basically just kind of inherited that in my gene because. And didn't your family, didn't you guys have like family reunions where like these extended family people would get together and just have like. uh you know, hootenannies, like yeah, with, with, yeah. with banjos and fiddles and stuff. It sounds pretty cool, like That's very Americana cool, awesome. yeah, you know? Being a bit older, I grew up around that. And, and back when there was family reunions, I mean, there'd be like a hundred people there. Now there'd be two, yeah. you know? Is it, right, but you had like a pretty big, like extended family, like around the, you know, like yeah, the Midwest all, and Kentucky. They would come and, in from other states. Yeah, and, but oh, cool. there was some older cats there I grew up, I grew up with. And they would always bring like their mandolins and bamboo. Some of them were like, you like, know, like home, uh, homemade. You know, oh, like wow. The yeah. you know, like the, the Darling family on uh, Andy Griffith or something. Oh. You know, uh, <laughs> with like with like 70 more <laughs> yeah. members. And they would all like, and then my mom told me that, oh, yeah, you know, Uncle Louie, he had a radio show back in the day, you know. So and they would wow. play on. So I grew up around that. And uh, one of the first times I took my drums, a uh, little beginner crappy little drum set oh well you bring it along i don't know so i took it and uh, i played along with them and they were all like telling my mom later that who saying how wow he's got natural timing he's really good and all oh nice stuff, you know? so that was one of my first my first public appearances playing drums but <laughs> that's what i grew up around all the time so and uh then i got a record deal and here i am all right well <laughs> been great talking to you guys Oh, thanks. See ya. <laughs> so what got you into the drums in the first place? Um, I don't know. Uh, just my uh, personality character kind of uh, was drawn to it. I was trying to decide between bass and drums. Okay. And, uh, but you weren't uh, stoic enough for bass. Huh? I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> you weren't stoic. And so, so for whatever reason, I went with drums and uh and I could just kind of play immediately. Okay. Uh, not that I, I'm sure I wasn't great, but I would put a record on and I'd play along with it. And, and not very long after that, I could play, oh, I want to learn that fill. So I would play that fill. And I never thought anything about it. I just thought, oh, that's just the way it is when you play an instrument. 
And then later, years later, I found that's not really what happens with a lot of people, you know, you know, they have to work at it. And I was like, I never really thought about it. Not that I'm like some savant, but uh, I was just naturally, I could play drums and I'm self-taught. And uh, oh, wow. That's just all I ever wanted to do. Self-taught from, I don't mean to to like butt in and be be bossy like I normally am, but um. And you were self-taught from listening, though. You, it's not like you just from what from listening to records. Well, right. Well, that's kind of how self-taught. Yeah, but I mean, you. No one came in and right. showed me how to hold my drumsticks or where to hit right. the drum and all that stuff. And uh, you just sort of did it by which ear. that took me about three years. Huh? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're holding no. sideways for a while, just right. I was right. like stabbing Growing your boats. Went through a lot of drum stab. heads that way. It's like, how did right. he do this? Are you a drummer? No. Okay. And I do not have natural timing. That's, you were. I, that's a plus. Terrible. To but, have natural timing. but you were. You were on time for the podcast, so I. I, I beg to differ. Well, thank you. Thank, you have good timing maybe, and being on time. Perhaps I should think of a new career then. Maybe drumming is <laughs> no. for me. No, don't do that. Or, or dating. <laughs> dating. <laughs> He's always on time. <laughs> So, Clay, what about, what about you? How did uh, you get into music? In the, what what were you listening to? How did you get into, and uh, you played um, guitar and saxophone, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I started out as a, as a sax player. It was the, the instrument I picked in grade school. Okay. And just immediately fell in love with it. Immediately fell in love with music. Supposedly my paternal grandmother was very musical and I didn't, I never knew her, but everybody says I'm sort of like the, the, I'm not the reincarnation of her. Cause, cause I was like one when she died, but right. like the incarnate, the incarnation of her. Okay. And, and so that everybody, I mean, I, I had, they said she, she was, she was musical and creative and bossy. <laughs> so that's me. <laughs> and, um, and, and uh, so I just picked when we were picking instruments in grade school, like one of my best friends and I both picked saxophone and just for no reason that we just thought it looked kind of cool. Um, okay. And so that's kind of where it started. I fell in love with it. Um, soon I got super into jazz. Um, and I was kind of a weirdo kid with the jazz where I would, you know, I didn't really even listen to rock music um, or pop music of the day. Um, oh, wow. I only listened, I really was into jazz. And so I would sort of do things like sit up in you know, high school uh, while other kids were doing fun things like going on on dates and, you know, <laughs> learning to drive cars and make out in cars and stuff. I would be sitting in my bedroom, um, like transcribing Charlie Parker solos <laughs> for fun, much to probably my parents, you know, delight, delight. and horror. Cause they were like, uh, she's so weird. Is this normal? And also, Ooh, it's, she's listening to cool jazz. So she's not out anyway, of trouble. Um, right. So, or just, you know, like I mean, kind I, of music we liked, you it's know, kind of like the same thing that I remember, uh, kids, you know, knocking on the door. Hey, you want to come out and go? It's like, oh, I, I'm practicing my drums, maybe in a little while. Yeah. I was like, that was more important in, in some ways. It's yeah. Like, and I don't bother me. I'm right. listening, I'm listening to, the kinks right now and trying to learn. <laughs> and, and I, um, and for me, it was like, I was listening to like, you know, the Charlie Parker and Miles Davis and Count Basie. And, wow. but, uh, I never was, you know, I never was forced to practice. I always just wanted to. And then it, that sort of turned into, uh, I had older brothers and sisters who sort of like taught me about rock music and pop music. And 
And then I sort of started listening to that stuff and I kind of realized, oh, there's actually saxophones in rock music. So I sort of started out in that way. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Try doing that in person. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to Performance Anxiety listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash performanceanxiety. That's betterhelp.com slash performanceanxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. And then I don't know how I just sort of started writing songs and I said, well, I should probably learn how to play guitar a little bit if I'm going to write rock and roll songs, because I'm kind of I'm kind of digging this and it's pretty interesting. And um, so I, I kind of taught myself a little bit and okay. took a few lessons, but I had, I had a great teacher who well, you were who, in marching band. Oh, I was in marching band, but oh, that's wait, not get, but, but that's not read, guitar. Don't you have to read chart? You got taught how to read all that stuff, right? Well, like charts or. You know, John yeah, I mean, that's a... that's not from I mean, <laughs> that's and we did we did the entire we did in marching man. We did the entire who sell out record. To, I'm kidding. Wow. Um, that's, that would have been totally amazing. Kidding. I'm totally kidding. But that would have been cool. I got um, I've had three kids in marching band. So, yeah, no, I did. I love actually I loved marching band. You got a parade. Our drummers yeah. were our drummers were all kind of irresponsible in marching band. So sometimes they wouldn't show up. And I had actually, I did have pretty good rhythm and timing. So would I would, that would be the bass player. Yeah. There, there are no bass players in marching oh, no. band. There are no let, bass players let, in let marching back band. back up on that guitar player. There are no guitar players in marching band. Well, there ought to be. Anyway, but so I would, some, they, got, they got their wireless. I would sometimes here. get assigned like a Tom, like to play a Tom Tom during marching band. Cause they're like, ah, okay. oh, the drummers didn't show up again. Chloe, can you grab a Tom? I'm like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, but anyway, but no, I did learn. I mean, I knew I learned my jazz training is really what I mean, I learned theory and I can read music and all that stuff. But I had to kind of forget all that when I learned was learning about rock music. And not that you can't read music for that stuff, but you know, you don't need to and you shouldn't because you're edgier if you don't. Ooh. But um no, so yeah. so I started, I don't know, I just kind of trans trans uh, uh trans, I don't know what the word is, evolved into being a becoming a you know, like a rhythm guitar player writing songs um, okay. and became a singer sort of accidentally. Um, oh, how do you become a singer accidentally? I, I joined a band at, like a rock band, you know, as a, as a, you know, young adult in college and 
started singing harmonies with them, even though I was like, I'm not a singer, I'm an instrumentalist. And you could sing this. Why don't you sing? Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I was sort of accidental. I know it sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> just, but, but I will say, when I did start getting sort of turned on to like rock and roll music and stuff from my older siblings, they would play me like, um, like the who or, um, like David Bowie or something and, or, or Blondie. And, um, like I wanted to be when I was a very little girl, before I even started getting into the jazz kind of stuff, I wanted to be Roger Daltrey. Oh, wow. Um, and then, um, and then I wanted to be Debbie Harry. Uh, who didn't. And, and right, right. And then I hey, want, that's who I want. And now I want to be like maybe David Bowie and Patti Smith and Mick Ronson. So I don't know. That's and, fair. And, and Annie Clark. Let's see. Who else do I want to be? Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of people um, <laughs> who is Saint, also known as St. Vincent. But um, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, my my story's not that interesting. It's a lot like a lot of kids. We had we started in band in school yeah. and then got into it. So, Brett, how did how did you get into in the uh, in a professional sense? Was that with the, your band Star? Or was that the first like real professional Whoa. band? Um, you, you're like that is pretty bananas. Like you did some homework, my friend. I try. <laughs> uh, well, back then, you know, they didn't have electricity, so, <laughs> so it, was, it was rocks. In the 1860s, Man, that that bass was amazing back then, though. Uh, I used to I used to play a Pelican with a no um <laughs> the turtle was your bass <laughs> on the on the uh, turntable. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, gosh, you know, it, I, you know, I first heard you know records and was into rock music as a youngster, and uh, it was around and uh, playing drums, and of course that's what I practice too was all the bands of the days in the 60s you know beatles kinks who stones paul Revere and the raiders you know all the all the bands that were popular and uh when you were when so you were a practice, one. i was just having fun playing with that but you know like oh they're so cool you know and, and uh the monkeys you know whoever was popular back then and uh and of course so then you have that dream of i want to be in a band someday i'm going to play in a band and so that's where it always kind of starts. And uh, and I feel like I, in your... I went with my first, I finally got in, you know, oh, from high school or, or like freshman year or something. Uh, oh, I know I know this kid that plays guitar. And oh, but, you know, one thing, he ended up playing together. You start off in a garage or in your mm -hmm. bedroom playing with them. And uh, so that evolves into on and on little bands here little band here one gig here one gig there different one and uh but all all along you want to you see that brass ring you want to be like you want to be in the magazines and and be like that rock band the popular and um so that's what i always worked for and so for uh a couple of years i actually got a band each one kept getting the more popular or or Played better gigs, you know, and uh, I actually got paid for them. You know, you start off playing. There they don't even have these. <clears throat> they don't even have these any anymore. But it's it's kind of sad. But you know, back in the day, they would have like a lot of bands would go play free in the park, local bands, or yeah, or there'd be or there'd be high, the school high, school, dan yeah. high school dances, tons of high school dances. Like every high school had dances all the time. Saturday night, you know, there's bands playing. Oh, let's go. Yeah, exactly. In, in, teen, in teen centers. So there's like music around. There's nothing like that anymore, you know? Well, because we have, 
you know, we have the internet. Yeah, and you just go on the internet and, like, and you sit alone and you're put your earbuds in. Because I feel like your your era, like your generation, it was not that it was easier, but there that was more of like a career path you could do was yeah to be like a I mean you could actually get a record deal yeah, and, you know and do stuff. Yeah, there was but, kind uh, of a set way to do it. Yeah, like you, you, you actually would get a so you, you could get a record deal. To keep you could send better. your stuff out, you know. Yeah. Your goal is to keep getting in better, better bands and uh after I think by the fourth year of me playing in bands in high school and stuff, I finally by default became leader. The band I was in was really good and doing well. And then they decided to split up. I go, well, I like this. <laughs> I want to I keep going. Right. So I asked, I asked the guitar player, hey, you want to, I'm going to put this thing together. I want you and an idol this. And so that was the beginning of my first band, which turned into Star. Okay. Which, actually, I have actually been a band leader guy. But and, that was, I mean, that's not your sort of start of your major label professional. Well, that like, kind of was touring. the path of, yeah. of actually had the vision and here's what we're learning. And, you know, I wasn't a. So it's kind of like a turning point almost where you like, this is, this is kind of what I want to do. Yeah. And I was. I've earned my stripes enough where I can lead this and I right. book the gigs and but then go get a loan to buy a vehicle to drive our stuff around in. Yeah. <laughs> so and that was, uh, yeah. And then Screams. And like three years later, that evolved into the band Screams, which got a record deal. The, and that was at the end of Star turned into Screams. And okay. at the end of Star, I, at some point I was like, ah, oh, man, something. I we got to do something. This this just playing clubs, same clubs over and over, and doing this and that. And uh, and uh, I found it. There was a manager guy. I, I was like, maybe if we get a manager, if we move anything. Right. And uh, so I did find a this manager, and, and then we ended up moving. And just to also interject like he was from a re like a relatively small town mm -hmm. i guess which is also kind of a cool part of the story i think because it's not like you you were la kids or you know new york kids or right. chicago kids you were you were you know peoria area kids you know uh not even peoria, not even peoria like peoria suburb city, you know? right or not, yeah. not even a i don't even think they call it a suburb it's just like a kind of a working class uh, you know, Illinois town. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of, sort of kind of a cool story where, you know, again, it wasn't like you had all this exposure to, you know, it's not like you could just go down the street and go to the whiskey and right. check out no. bands and stuff. I mean, they did know? have Peoria and Pekin. Actually, Peoria did have a lot it's of kind stuff. It's kind of crazy how many bands came through there and toured through there back in the day. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but I had a, uh, we have a friend who lives in New York who's got all these incredible stories of him you know, seeing yeah. the Who first shows and Cream's wow. first show, and he saw the Beatles, and you know, he, he lives in New York. You know, yeah. And I told him, Born I said, and God, that is so cool that 
you know, you got to experience all that. I said, but I don't know what's more dangerous of you actually being able to go see these bands and then me in small town, middle America, imagining what it's like to be. Yeah. Yeah. Goes, oh, I love, I love that, you know, because the imagination. Yeah. And a lot of times uh, over the many, many years, you know, playing and playing clubs and touring around stuff, a lot of, oh, some local bands open up for you. Wow, they're really good. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's so many bands because they were like, we're getting out of here, you know, and this is what we're supposed to do, I think. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> it's almost like you imagine it bigger. So, uh, yeah, uh, you try harder, maybe. I don't know. Well, I really, I liked Paper Dolls. That is a great song. Mm. I love that Paper song Dolls. a lot. Yeah. So that was a really good band. It's like that band should have been huge. I I mean, I didn't obviously know him back then. Right. um, I would have. You weren't even born. I I was very small. (laughs) I was like a tiny little. um, So, um, but he, that band was too good for the time or something or, or just, or it like, I feel like if it was, would have been a couple years later, you guys would have been just giant or earlier or or, or maybe earlier. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe earlier. Well, we were at, we got signed and uh, we did a huge tour opening for Van Halen, Screams did, uh, for That's like awesome. their first headlining tour for from July to October. And uh, look so at like, all the people here tonight. Oh, Sorry. And then, uh, <laughs> and then from there, we went to England at the end of 1979, went to England and headlined a tour there and getting great reviews and, and uh, playing like the bigger rock kind of concert clubs and some weird like halls you know and, and things like that and doing well and about two weeks into it the label we were on which was part of mca records mm-hmm. uh, which M- would now M- MCA be dropped the label considered universal i think so, yeah okay. so they dropped the labels those stop the imprint oh and we had just got the word that oh you guys are you guys are doing doing good you know selling enough records and got good reviews of, you're good for that second record we're like yeah cool good. and they like literally like a few days later while we're touring there uh we got told oh well the imprint yeah. got dropped and oh so we have no more label so, so our last gig there was headlining at the marquee to a sold out show and uh in and two days later they two days later we're sitting in champagne illinois going oh. well now what do we do? that was yeah. fun yeah. So, oh. but I say, I say if it was like, and the reason they did that, it was a big thing in the Rolling and Rolling Stone back then that uh, it was the end of the seventies excess, you know, every record labels paying for limos for everybody to go to the gigs and pay yeah. for this yeah. and tour support and blah, 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 blah. And, and, uh, uh, and they were, we got to stop this nonsense. We're losing money. So a lot of labels, that was like a big thing that they were like, we got to update and get rid of this and clean house and drop imprints and uh wow and uh, but since like i said we had been uh 
we had got the go-ahead to do a second album. If it would have been like maybe a year earlier, I'm thinking there's a lot of labels back then would stick with the artist. Right. Or they would transfer you to maybe another. Yeah, they would. Ah, they didn't yeah. sell that well, but right. they got a lot of good right. reviews, and I will stick with them, you know. Yeah. And uh, I remember uh, hearing an interview with Bono a couple, uh, probably been ten years ago, but from the band YouTube, people might not know. We have to tell them. Yeah. <laughs> and, know. You know, there used to be there used to be a trio. It used to be you three. Oh. <laughs> no, okay. but um, uh, but he said the same thing. He said they were like super fortunate that the label stuck with them yeah he said we could have been a one album band and never mm-hmm. be heard of he said our first record didn't really sell that great and uh at the time and and then we would have been stuck with them on your ipods right now we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors hey guys i want to talk to you about socks for a second why not it's a music podcast. But I tried a pair of socks from Boldfoot and love them. I've only worn them once because my kids have stolen them. So in my household, that's the best endorsement I can give. And I guess it's fitting because the design I chose was jailbait. Wait, jailbird. The design I chose was jailbird. I might keep that in. The socks are 100% American made and 5% of all proceeds go to veteran charities. It makes sense, seeing that Boldfoot is a family and veteran-owned company. They have a huge variety of styles. So check out boldfoot.com and buy some of the best socks you've ever slapped on your feet. And help veterans while you're at it. That's boldfoot.com. Bono may may have been able to count in Spanish. (laughs) But it's it's interesting that that's how it was back then. That could have good. That would have changed a lot of different stuff. And we haven't even gotten to Elvis Brothers yet. Oh, my oh gosh. Boy. Right. So, uh, well, let's do it. So how did... Wait, wake up. Wake up, audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how did Screams end up... Well, okay, so we know how they ended up, but how did you end up going from Screams to the Elvis Brothers? What were you doing in, in the interim, and how did that turn into the Elvis Brothers? Well, we stuck together for another year with the hope of... Especially the first okay. half of, if or at least first couple of months or into a half of uh, 1980, that maybe someone will pick us up. And we just continued writing tons of songs and and this and that. But uh, I think our manager kind of had the wind knocked out of him after all of that. And uh, we all kind of tried and had hope for a month or two or three after that, but it just kind of slowly tapered off, you know, until we're just playing clubs again and yeah. uh, that fun stuff. So by the end <laughs> of the year, we were like, we all still got along great and we had a ton of great songs and we're better than ever. But uh, we were like, yeah, we're just like running in place. Let's just call it. So uh, New Year's oh, wow. Eve was our last, it was our last gig. Screams. Yep. That's weird because that was your last Elvis Brothers gig too, was a New Year's Eve gig. Yeah, but I didn't know that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Avoid um, New Year's Eve from now on. Right. You know, and I'm writing a book with a, a ton of stories of my long history. I heard, years. yeah. So uh, just read the book. No, okay. And, um, <laughs> but I'm going to interject something again too because I know, like, okay. you, yeah, please. So he, 
They were in Champaign, Illinois, which is a college, which is a university town. It's a big university town where University of Illinois is. We um, re relocated there. Yeah, they had relocated Georgia. there. And so they had that's where they sort of had settled. And Champaign was and still is, to some extent, a pretty fertile music ground. Um, and okay. you know, part of it's probably because it's a university town. But it had a lot. Of, so there were a lot of musicians there and a lot of opportunities mm -hmm. for you guys. That's and, where we are. And, like, and everybody sort of met other people who wanted to be in bands or who were in bands. And so they think that actually helped because you yeah. had actually been in a town. You know, there's towns like um, other towns like Iowa City is a good example. Bloomington is a good uh, uh, Indiana is a good example of, you know, a lot of college towns mm -hmm. are fertile grounds for making music. Oh, yeah. And again, part of it is because of university town and part of it is, I don't know. Maybe and it's I think like location a, like, also. Yeah, that, that was it's a good going, location near near some major cities yeah. uh, in the actually, Midwest. Actually, back in uh, the end of Star and or the very right before Screams, our, our, we had a sound guy. We, that's back when we had you lug your entire sound system and lights around because clubs didn't really have them back then. Oh, and, wow. He said, oh, we need to uh, update our system. So there was a, a sound company down in Champaign, Illinois, and he had looked up. And that's one of the reasons we went down there is and you sound just, yeah. play, you know, made PA systems. And, and uh, okay. Ariel, like Ariel Speedwagon had come out of there and Irving Azoff. Okay. And, and uh, big record a ton exec. of other bands you yeah. probably never heard of. But at the time, like Rufus and all those kind of bands. We're going in and out of there and exchanging members, the Finchley Boys, who you probably never heard of, but all of the One-Eyed Jacks, all these bands that were like a big deal. And I think a lot of it was uh, the area, because it's kind of in the middle of Illinois, but it, I figured out, and a lot of touring bands would come through there, A, because it was a university town, but uh, St. Louis was about 100 miles that way. Indianapolis was about 100 miles that way, and Chicago was about 100 miles north. Oh, okay. So I think... Touring, it was good routing. Oh, we'll stop in Champagne before we head up to Chicago or before we head down to St. Louis. Right. Yeah, and yeah. From from Indianapolis, you can go to So I think a lot of Louisville, that had to do with uh, go to the Nashville. music of that town and uh, at that time. And, uh, you know, a lot of other bands got signed out of there and stuff as well. But uh, so Elvis Brothers, I'm going back to Elvis. So, the, uh, yes. so then you so then he got into El the Elvis Brothers formed and uh, sort of, I mean, I don't know how long this podcast is, but <laughs> how, how until we're done, <laughs> like then, six part series, of <laughs> and, then he, uh, and then they, you know, got a record deal and did all their touring and stuff and toured with everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the abridged. Version. Yeah. <laughs> so is the Elvis Brothers when you started drumming standing up? Yeah, eventually. How I do you know this stuff? Are you a, are you a, are you a wizard? I'm a wizard. Are you like a did, can't you, you tell, tell by, by the hat? hat? Oh. <laughs> oh, you guys, I'm just going to leave and let you guys have the room. <laughs> With the stars and moons on it. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and my, my robe, my Alabama robe. Right. So, um, yeah. So that's, so that is, so that's what, it, but is that when you started drumming standing up? Yes. After Screamed, I started my own band. Uh, and actually, toward the end of the screams, my high school friend Graham, I had he joined up with us, and uh, just because we needed something. And it's it like when Billy Preston came in with the, it kind of helped add something to our 
you know. Yeah. And, and so that was only like six months split up. We all kind of went and did our own things. And then the Stray Cats released their very first album in the UK. It didn't even come out over here for like two years. Okay. And so we had that first UK album, which was great. And I went, oh, this is so cool. And so Graham was like, oh, we have to start a rockabilly band. I was like, nah, no one wants to hear it three two or three sets of that stuff a night and and uh, so he and uh, the other guy rob who his band had just split up cold kitchen and they had been on uh uh epic record for an album okay and uh so we all had something but so this was just like a fun on the side thing this elvis brothers thing okay and uh, and so i joined up with them i said okay just make a little have fun, play some rock and roll stuff, and uh, on a Tuesday night or and something. And rockabilly, huh? You had min- you originally mentioned rockabilly, so yeah, it was like a rockabilly thing, and uh, and that's why I I thought, oh, I'll stand up because uh, the drummer and Stray Cat does that. It looks fun, and uh, I've always been a uh, what do you call it? Uh, Showy. Yes. <laughs> open to that, you know, and uh, bouncing drumsticks and catch them, and I used to. I still do like swing my arm like Pete Townsend while I'm playing drugs, like, like keeping beat and all this crazy stuff. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'm going to try standing up. That looks like fun. So and that thing took off immediately and we were assigned like a year and a half later or something. Now, if, and we were just doing it for fun. So if I'm not mistaken, do you hold your drumsticks backwards, right? Yes. So is that something you're you've always like... done? A wizard. Um, the wizard has spoken. I know. Um, I'm Gandalf. I started. You are. Well, when I was teaching myself, at some point, I thought I should find someone to follow and learn after, rather than just being scattered and learning stuff everywhere. Which I yeah. continued doing that anyway. <laughs> but I should find somebody that I really identify with. Their oh, I and the, this band called um, uh, some band called the Who. Never heard of them. Had this, they put this single Who? out called I Can. I, I really like their single. I we can already see for mentioned miles. it. We already mentioned the Who, you guys. Um, mm. Not you're thinking a hootie. No, the hootie. No, um, I can Definitely see for miles. So I, I thought, well, no one. I, I love that drumming on that. No one played drums like that back then. I didn't know the drummer's name. I didn't know anything about him. So, short story long, I eventually found out the drummer's name, and and then their next single come out, and. I bought that and the next single came, you know, I just kept buying. And then I started seeing pictures of them and Keith Moon was holding a stick backwards. I go, well, that's how he does it. And uh, it makes sense to me. And uh, you don't hold a baseball bat backwards. That's true. So anyway, the weight. Okay. Uh, I kind of, I like the weight of it like that. And that's how I taught myself. And uh, that's, that's how I taught myself. Well, it works out real well because I, I did see some, Pretty interesting videos from the Elvis brothers. You guys did a Led Zeppelin medley. That was awesome. And it, I mean, you've got that, I think possibly because they're back with you, you, you really do sound really powerful playing. This is our favorite song right
really cool revved up bow wow wow i want candy and simon and garfunkel cecilia kind of medley so oh yeah that's funny i I, I really like the humor and and the, just the willingness to to experiment and just do all kinds of stuff that the, with the elvis brothers i thought that was just amazing well, I think a lot of that, all of us being hams that, uh, and we were just, like I said, we started that band for fun, yeah, just on the side, but for some, whatever reason, the chemistry of us and us just making light of everything and just laughing, people that, who writes your material? And we're like, oh, we all, all of us are songwriters. Song, no, no, no. Yeah. We, we mean the comedy like stuff, the stick. but we were just, <laughs> our banter on stage and our, we had some kind of charisma charm. All of that in a in one sock, and it just kind of <laughs> it just took off immediately. I mean, we started playing for fun. Our first gig was September eleventh, nineteen eighty one, and by December we played twenty eight shows in December alone. Oh my! That's how. God. I mean, within a month, Whoa. people were calling us, and it was just like was this landslide of gigs. You got to get this band called the Elvis, but within like a month or two and it just kept growing and growing. And then uh cheap tricks manager heard about us and he was interested and he became our manager and, uh, and all of us wrote songs, all three of us. So we had plenty of material and uh, uh, we were signed pretty quick and all of our serious side bands that we were writing songs for on our own, we had to all abandon our <laughs> thing because Elvis brothers thing. And we always joked and said, well, not joke, but we always said, if we thought we were actually going to have a record deal and have MTV videos, we probably would have never, ever named ourselves the Elvis Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> but we but we just thought that was sounding so funny at the time because instead of the Everly Brothers, it was the Elvis Brothers. So. I don't know how old this audience is, but they're all going to be like Googling. These yeah, they're being like, well, that's a good thing. Everybody needs to know their, the Everly right, Brothers. On their phones. Yeah, actually, that is a good thing. Um, so did the band name come first or did the uh, band member names, last names of Elvis come first? Name came uh, first the night before our first gig. And the night before that, we uh, played at a, we sat in with some band for about four or five songs so the club owner could hear us. And we still didn't have a name. We called ourselves something else. Next day, we rehearsed for our first real gig on a Tuesday night. And looking at our set list, we had a lot of Elvis songs. But uh, back, I just want to clarify back in the day, bands would often do, you know, three sets or four sets. Yeah. So they would have to also throw covers in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have, I just, I just don't want to people have... to think that he, because nowadays, like in, of my generation, that, you know, a cover band. Yeah. is different from an original band. Right, yeah. Back then, an original band would also do covers. Like nowadays, original band, most most Are, bands, they play one set, you know. Of right, and they and, will throw a cover in that they make their own. But, yeah. you know, well, like, but but yeah, back like then. Three or four sets. Just to clarify for the teenagers. <laughs> and then, like you said, you, you saw us doing a oh, uh, Led Zeppelin medley, and that, that was just kind of for fun. It was all intros. Yes. No, yes. no vocal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we we throw on some weird covers. And you that do we love like John playing. Bonham, so that's so. Uh, so anyway, he's looking at the list, and he goes, and I said, "Oh, so cool! You got you and Graham. This is Robin Graham." I said, "You both have your vocals are so like Everly Brothers, and you know, we grew up so much with Beatles stuff, but we're kind of more like a rock and super rock and Everly Brothers or something." 
And uh, Rob looked at the list. He goes, Everly Brothers, more like Elvis Brothers. And we're like, wow, that's perfect for this. This will be fine. That's hilarious. And we love, we were just like rolling on the ground laughing about the name. So that's how the name come, came about. And then just three or four or five gigs later, we kept goofing on Elvis. Oh, thank you very much. You know, you know, the Elvis Brothers, you know, talking about us in third person. Right. And, uh, Kids Google that. And so uh, one night, Early on, Graham goes, uh, oh, by the way, I'm Graham Walker, and over here we have, and he's introducing the band. I'm back there thinking, just being silly as usual. I'm, I'm going to tell him my name's uh, Brad Presley. No, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was trying to think of something. He got back to me, and he goes, I'm back here on drums. I go, Brad Elvis. And Graham's eyes like lit up. He goes, Brad Elvis, I'm Graham Elvis. That's Rob Elvis. We're the Elvis brothers. And that's how that all started. So we got as a joke, pretty much, not or just in light, you know. Right. A joke that and, ended uh, up on MTV. No kidding. And uh, magazines and uh, all that stuff. So. so they break up. Three-hour tour comes up after that. And you've also joined the Romantics. And yeah. you, you, you just never stop. I mean, you weren't really in three-hour tour. You you played for them and you wrote songs. I mean, for them. Elvis Brothers went on. We had albums and stuff, and uh, eventually, I started my uh, a couple different versions of a band called Big Hello, and we had the, uh, yeah, and uh, and, I, and then I got back with the Elvis Brothers, and then the, one of the guys that was in Big Hello, that first version, started three-hour tour, okay. which I played. So, uh, You've like played on the records. And I play and, on all his records. Yeah. And he's done a couple of my songs within that. And uh, so that's what that And he's played from. on, I mean, I'm, I'll just I'll do another abridged sort of like, he's played on a lot of albums. So I don't know if everything's listed what you've been on. You've played on a lot of stuff like Spanic Boys and Ike Riley and Jay Bennett. Jay Bennett oh, cool. Who was, who was in Wilco. Yeah. Um, um, Dearly Departed Jay. Yeah. And um, just a lot, like a lot of, just tons of, records that you don't even i don't even know all of them. I, I don't even know i know you don't even know all of them you mentioned big hello is that where you two met or did you meet before yes. and start big hello together it was but it was it, a, it was like version three or something yeah I, I kept elvis brothers and i kind of had to do things on the side i just was constantly writing songs and yeah, he he had Big Hello, and he was looking for, and you had moved to Chicago by then, which is where I am from, and um, because you had, didn't you have Big Hello when you were still in Champagne, or am I wrong? Yeah, that the first, right, the first version, the first version, yeah. Oh, okay. um, and the kind of cool thing is, there's a band again, kids, look this up, called Gentle Giant, who were like a really cool prog band yes. from England. One of the guitarists from General Giant was the, the first league. lead guitarist. These guys are crazy amazing too. Like it's, they're, they're so good. Oh, yeah. um, but he was the for original guitarist in. Yeah, Gary uh, Green Hello. from General Giant. From General Giant. So that's kind of. He played in the uh, second version, my yeah. second version of Big Hello, which was a trio. Wow. And after. And then. Uh, and then when you moved to Chicago, you sort of continued it and then. I joined. So how did you end up joining Big Hello? That's how we met. Me? Yeah. I just, I just muscled my way in. Sounds good. um, Sounds about right. We met like just, you know, an ad 
he was looking for a lead singer <laughs> and ad. And we met on we met on farmersonly.com. Um, so, you don't have to be lonely and farmers only. I can't believe I know that. Uh, that is and amazing. And I did a terrible. I'm so sorry. Farmersonly.com. I did a terrible rendition of your jingle. I'm going to um, isolate that and, and have my first handcuffs <laughs> bootleg. You know what? I will redo it for you at the end of the show. And better. <laughs> I'll get a guitar and do it No. Um, so we met, we put an ad in the uh, old timey newspaper back then, uh, the reader, which is like a, like a, I don't know. The Benjamin Franklin. The Benjamin Franklin Times. Franklin's um, Almanac. Poor Richard's, an ad in poor Richard's Almanac. Next to a plow. Um, <laughs> it was the farmer's only almanac. Thank you. I'm done. That's why you're the host of the podcast. Um, (laughs) We, um, yeah, shut those blinds too. He's shutting the blinds in the house. Um, Yeah, so we we met. (laughs) And um, yelling. Hit it off because of music. Actually, we hit it off after I learned about rock music from my older siblings. I ended up loving the Beatles and my favorite Beatles album was the White Album. And we uh, sort of bonded over the White Album on the phone, met got together. I've joined his band. Um, he liked my songwriting. I contributed some songs and, uh, the rest is history. And we've been making music ever since. With Big Hello, you mentioned before Big Hello that you were just kind of singing in the background and what, what made you pursue singing uh, and, and, and Big Hello as the lead singer? Um, Gosh, I don't, I guess because I started writing songs and then I started singing those songs and I started recording those songs and I was like, all right, I guess I'm a singer. Um, (laughs) And then, and then it kind of was, you know, some of my heroes have also sort of turned like saxophone turned guitar turned singer songwriter, like people like PJ Harvey and David Bowie. And yeah, I, I, I honestly don't have a good answer. I never really like aspired to be like a lead singer, but it just kind of happened. If Helen could talk, if Helen could see, if Helen could hear the sound we're hearing, and if we could feel Brad kind of made me do it, and now it's all this. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Is it true that the the handcuffs kind of started off as a studio? Yes. Thing? All right. So how did we? How did? And I, I guess I kind of jumped the gun on this one. How did we get no. from Big Hello to the handcuffs? Big Hello kind of ran its course, and we we had three CDs. Yeah, and, uh, we did well. And we did well. We would we play played... like a, we played. We're from Chicago, but we would play like in Los Angeles, and, and we okay. did like t- you know a little touring. Uh, and do we kind of mini got... tours and stuff, and got a you know sort of a name. But we wanted to Brad and I both, and that kind of ran its course like bands do. Yeah, and um, 
but then Brad and I wanted to sort of evolve into newer, not, not, you know, new, different, different music. Like we, we were, and so we didn't think continuing big hello was the right way to do it. It was kind of, well, but, but I we, had started it before I met Chloe. Yeah. So it was my vision and this and that. And I found Chloe and we were doing mostly my songs. And then eventually we started doing your, yes. your songs. And by the end of releasing two or three albums, we kind of became our vision. The yeah, two of us, we kind of I we kind related of, to each other so well that. Uh, yeah, I guess I kind of made it. You, I mean, you sort of allowed me in to also put my stamp on it, because originally it was your. And one of the reasons it was his vision is, you know, as a drummer, most people don't think of drummers as songwriters, and so I think you know, and he writes music and lyrics, not just you know. I mean, people still, I'm sure some people think our guitar player is the main songwriter and I write the lyrics, you know, of our band. It's like a drummer's curse. Right. But so, yeah. so I think, you know, he started, he had started <laughs> like originally big hello before we even met, you know, as sort of like another songwriting uh, outlet for him as a drummer. So that, you know, if he gets in a band with, with, you know, too many other writers, it's hard as a drummer to get your stuff in. And he's oh, a great yeah. songwriter. I mean, he's like my favorite songwriter. So I was really lucky when I, when I, sort of answered the ad I didn't know who he was and a lot of the people from my generation were like oh god you're like you're gonna meet up with Brad Elvis and see if you can be in a band with him uh he I think he might be out of your league or something and some of my friends oh do you have a dog uh two of them and uh they're like three rooms away I don't know I love animals. We love animals. We uh, have cats, but we will keep them away from each other. They're three buildings away. They really are. It's it's Aww. I got a, a 90 pound boxer oh. Australian shepherd mix. And oh. uh, a the biggest derp of all time in his name's Hammond, but the big derp his name's Albert. He's uh, uh, a oh, pitbull labrador mix. Uh, yeah. Oh, pit- I wish we I wish they would come and Say hi to us on camera, but maybe afterwards. Maybe, um, maybe I, I may see if I can coax him in here. The, the Hammond is, okay. is hilarious, and Albert is just such a derp. You, if you get another dog, you have to name him Junior. Well, Albert Hammond Junior. Okay, funny, interesting <laughs> story. See, we got Hammond about six years ago, and we named him. He's a rescue, and his name was Harry. I didn't like that. Okay, yeah. so we love the British show Top Gear. And so we were, oh, yeah. we were going to, na- we we're going to, the plan originally was we we're going to get three dogs named one Hammond, one Clarkson and one May for the three hosts. Yeah. And we, we got Hammond and, uh, we never got the, we never ended up getting the other two fast forward six years. My oldest daughter. So she's, <laughs> she's 19. She broke up her, her and her boyfriend broke up and she was feeling pretty down the dumps. So she wanted to feel bit better if wanted to get a cat and i'm like no can't do that because a you're allergic and b your mom's oh. allergic so no okay. cat and so she's like what about a dog i'm like oh well we can talk about a dog and so the next day she brings home a dog and his I name like her already his name just happens to be albert so oh, okay. so it's by pure happenstance we have albert yeah. hammond as and as him. our dogs yeah. that's great and now that my two my two daughters are standing just off camera here, and Hi. this is the old this is the youngest one. Hi, it's Maggie. Hi, and there's, I'm Chloe. There's Josie. Hi, you guys. That's oh, Chloe and Brad. Which one's Albert? Which which one's Albert? And which one's Hammond? <laughs> <laughs> That's Hammond. That's Albert. <laughs> <laughs> and my son is is probably working on his car right now. 
Oh, somebody's got to go feed the dog. Yeah. Uh, I think they've, okay. they've coerced my son into doing that. Um, so anyway. I don't even remember where we were. I don't I know we either. were talking about d- puppies. Yeah. Um, yeah. My dog's no, making noise. I think we were talking about drummers as songwriters. And so that so was right after Procol Harum. <laughs> <laughs> Kids Google that. After that live album. Yeah. And I, uh, I don't know. We just, when we started the hand, when I think it was like, we got into the handcuffs that sort of, you know, kind of eventually turned in, it didn't really turn into the handcuffs. We just wanted to do different things. Mm-hmm. And um, we knew it was going to be something. So we purposely tried to write songs that didn't sound like big hello. Yeah. Kind of uh-huh. try to update everything and, and do this more, this and that. And, uh, and we just started so listening. So we didn't even have a name for a while. Yeah, we just, it was sort of just a recording project for a while too. We were like, yeah. oh, let's take a break from playing. Let's we kind of knew it would evolve into something, but we started with songs and yeah. recordings and just the two of us. And uh, and then and then we got a dog. And then we got so. a dog. <laughs> so how did you yeah. guys come up with the name The Handcuffs? Um, we were, I can't, I always try to think of a funny story. Like we were at a <laughs> protest and we were handcuffed. We got a no. bunch of funny stories already. Um, now for the maudlin. We just kind of, we just kind of, Brad came up with it. We were. Uh, together at the time like as a couple we were just like very very good friends and great writing music partners um and i was in my apartment and he called me and he said hey what about the handcuffs although i think we might have been a couple were we a couple at that we were a couple but we we weren't like living together or married or anything we were living in sin we weren't living in sin we weren't living together and (laughs) there is no such thing as living in sin i want to be very clear podcast the bible states no no stop it i don't know anything about stop it but um um (laughs) i called i called her i said i got this great name but i'm sure it's probably taken you know but how about the handcuffs so i'm like get on my computer the two of us you know and we're kind of handcuffed together and we and it sounds like a good rock and roll name it's kind of timeless little naughty yeah, yeah, right, it's exactly. Got it's, got a little, it's a little sexy. It's and, like a good rock and roll name for all that reason. Exactly. And, um, and, and then, then you looked it up. I looked it up and nobody had it. Like, shockingly. I mean, I Googled for hours, like, there's got to be a hand. So there wasn't. So you put your foot in the door. So there you and, go. Uh, so that's how we did it. And then. That's amazing that there's no handcuffs. Because I know. When I, w- I mean, there's like, other, there was, I think afterwards we'd found out there were like other well something this was back in 1963 i used to um, play with with a couple friends of mine and we had no intention of ever doing anything with it but we figured let's let's come up with a name just for the hell of it and we came up with super karate monkey death car and and somebody oh, had i that, love that and band. somebody had that name somebody had that name what wow. yes Stop! I'm serious. I know. It's like, it's like insane. Right? I mean, it's obvious, but yeah, seriously, well, somebody you know, actually had that. After we uh, got it, and after a couple months, and we trademarked it. Yeah. Where we actually own well, the band, had, the handcuffs. Yeah, the, yeah. It was weird. Uh, within months after that, all of a sudden, there were some bands other, started yeah. popping up as the handcuffs, and so we had to like write them or and say, the, uh, or the something something the handcuffs, and we're like. Yeah. Yeah. So we had to be the ones that, after a while, like tell them, and then of course we're like big jerks. Oh yeah, you know? no, we were. I just would say because we, you know they didn't take two minutes and look, look on the internet if there was another it. band called right. the Handcuffs. Yeah, and we're the big jerks that ruined right. them because they've had a, the band name for six months now. Six months. Exactly. That we didn't wait that long. No, no, I'm just saying six, we, we oh, already oh, had right. it, but yeah. they ruined their. But then I have another cute addition to this. Okay. Is that. In Span, so we got married eventually. 
And this is all Chloe's idea, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it was my all my <laughs> idea. So in Spanish, I was happy with big hello. In Spanish, don't even go there. In Spanish, <laughs> yes. it wasn't all my idea. In Spanish, the word for spouse is handcuffs is the same as handcuffs. So it's kind of cute, also. That's I didn't even yeah. know that. I took Spanish for six so, years. I don't think, well, I, there's probably reasons why they didn't want us to know the handcuffs. I know, but if you know, if you, it's like, if you know the word for spouse, it's the same. That's it's crazy. Both those, it's handcuffs. I had no well, idea yeah, that there was handcuffs. Kind of fun. Which, yeah. which the handcuffs sound so much better than the spouses. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's, I actually don't think that's a Here terrible. Here they are. They're going to rock your head I don't off. think that's a the terrible, spouse. I don't think that's a terrible name for a band. Mickey the spouses. spouses. You should register that I one think- too. I like that. The spouses. I think that's kind of a good name, actually. Oh, oh great. Here a handcuffed side project. Right. Exactly. Oh, yes. Because yeah. I need another side project. <laughs> we, we both need more. We both need more side projects. So at what point did you guys decide you wanted to take this stuff live? Because the, the sound's really big. I mean, you've got obviously the guitars and the drums, and all, but you've got your piano, horns. And at what point did you decide, well, let's let's try to play this live and did, did you have to rearrange the so, songs to do it live we yeah. had a manager for a little bit yeah we did i forgot oh a god big, i forgot about manager. that i forgot about and that and then he just loved what we had and he had I heard the recordings that. we had an album's worth of recordings before i mean this is pre-releasing anything we've released yeah. three albums so far and then the fourth and, uh, one is coming up but right but so, go ahead keep so going. he at some point he was gonna have uh some I don't know, label people or whatever come see us. Oh, you had to put a band together and maybe it's time to put a band together so we can showcase some of this stuff. So, so we did. That started it, but we it wasn't like an, a, a permanent band. Those were just like yeah, temporary some... bands. Then we had fun and we had kind of missed playing, even though it hadn't been that super crazy long. But uh, yeah. but it was at the point where it was like, yeah, it would be fun to start playing again. And, and then we broke up with our manager because <laughs> yeah. he ended up sort of being which eh, a bit which, of a a bit of a prick which, but um, within I, sh- I probably shouldn't say that because he's probably going to hear this and like sue me but he doesn't know who he i didn't say his name it's ex- well exactly. or her name right. it's name it's right as well and then to jump farther from that that turned into we were supposed to meet with him and we decided we just couldn't take it anymore we made a phone call and we Broke up with. I him. mean, it was actually and it, pretty amicable. Yeah, it was very was amicable. Fine, I was so. like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you're and I was like, well, right. and he'd try to start. And I was like, no, we're good. It's like, yeah, it, so yeah. we like hung up the phone and we literally had tickets to fly to, to Los LA Angeles to have a meeting the next with him day and some people. Because we were going to meet him out there. Okay. But I said, well, and we were like, well, we're like, ah, like this weight had been lifted off. And we're like, we're like well, well, we, let's, have, let's, we have. Tickets. We, let's we can, still go to we got, LA. Our, we got our recordings. We got our this. Right. Let's still we're gonna go. go out there and we can shop them around. And while we're out there, we can meet so and so and hang out with people and we know and nice. And and so I thought, well, who can we call? I thought, oh, I'll call and see if Clem's gonna be around. Clem Burke from his, Blondie. Yeah, who he's who's a friend who's a friend of his. Who yeah, had his. been playing with the romantic. Right. So I called him to see if he was gonna be around. And uh he actually uh he picked up because you know he's not doing anything. No, that's a joke, kids. They don't even know who Clem Burke is or Los Angeles. Um, they know Blondie. Blondie is big with ev- all ages. I'm yeah. kidding. So anybody, Los Angeles isn't was, though. But they had, they, <laughs> they hadn't played in years. So uh, really, and uh, 
So I say, hey, I just read this great review about the Romantics and Rolling Stone, their last record. Klemberg had been playing with the Romantics. I just told him. Oh, that. okay. And, uh, and the indie, and the indie record, they did like an indie thing. And uh, anyway, I got a, a good review in Rolling Stone. I yeah. said, oh, yeah, that's great. Are you guys out touring and playing? He goes, no, not really. And he goes, actually, I'm I'm heading out like tomorrow to go to, going to New Jersey. And so uh Jersey to uh, start rehearsing with the Blondie's reunion tour. And uh, I think, oh, that's great. And he goes, yeah, I'm going to be gone. I don't know what the Romantics are going to do. And we were kind of talking back and forth. It's like, he goes, it's like they don't believe me. I keep telling them I'm not going to be around. Uh, <laughs> I'm he going, goes, what I'm are you doing? I said, I told him, I said, we don't really. He goes, you would be perfect for him. He's so, like, I, he, yeah. So he just said, said, oh, I said he goes, you should him. play with them. That's a bit, you're not telling the story right. You're not telling the story right. <laughs> You guys are no, the handcuffs. He said they were just kind of, they just kind of started talking about, you know, Clinton said, you should play with the romantics. I'm going to recommend you. And so he did. And that was how Brad got into the romantics. And it was sort of the right time because we had, we were like, well, you know, we're not with our manager anymore. And Brad should go out and do this. And in the meantime, but we still worked on handcuff stuff. And But within that, yeah, on the phone with our manager breaking up within 10 or 15 minutes, yeah, that would have never happened in wow. a million years, yeah, because you know, we're just like, What if I know? Let's go, yeah, it's just as weird how things, yeah, happen, yeah, know? yeah, and uh, when one door closes, another one opens, exactly. another one slams, exactly. another, another one slams, slams shut. Shut. Yeah. um, yeah, but then okay, so get going, so that was then, that was then. And that was a long, it's been a long relationship with the romantics, but we still, um, while you play with them and uh, we record, we released three albums, got a live band together. Um, after our, actually, after our first, we still didn't really have a permanent band. Yeah, after our first we album. We put a, yeah. our first album out and we did some dates with people and it was all right, but I think we need to really put together. Like a real permanent band with real rather than this guy and, and that girl and that person right. right so we've had uh uh kind of a basic core lineup since our second album yeah. and our fourth one is coming mm -hmm. out next month so so uh, when you guys record is it just the two of you or is it the whole band recording no it's the whole band okay, we cool. uh i mean the first Record was us and various friends. The second record, I think, was still us and various friends, and then easing in some of the Emily people. Was Emily was on the first, the second album. Mm -hmm. Yeah, our bass player Emily, who's awesome, okay. Emily Togni. And then, but yeah, I mean, as far as playing live, we don't do all the horns and stuff live, and it's and it and it works out fine. It's I've always sort of been it's not a, like we're a horn band. No, but I mean, if there's like a horn part, it's like a, you know, it, it's not yet. Yeah, and I, also, I don't want people to think we're a horn band. It's more like the the glammy kind of saxophone thing right, or something. Yeah. But um, yeah. I've always been, Our albums are well produced. Yes. For a good rock and roll band. Yes. It, it gets but but, that, but then we can still play the songs without, because I, quite frankly, 
I mean, unless I have, unless I ever get some kind of a crew or tech or something, pain in the ass to bring too many instruments oh, to a show. Yeah. But um, sure. But um, but we, I've always sort of been like this though, from the from the school of you don't have to you don't have to sound exactly like the record when you play live. Exactly. I actually like it that way. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's interesting to go see a band and the record maybe does sound a little different because it's production and you don't, you're not, you know, I mean, I guess unless you're seeing like ELO electric light orchestra, who I saw recently on some show from a concert of a couple years ago, they sounded exactly like the record. Like it wow. was crazy. <laughs> it was like, how, I'm like, how are you doing that? And I'm, I know, I know it was live They're You know, they just, he just put together a crazy, and amazing. You look in the background, they have a record player with a, yeah. with a, with a pelican. With a pelican or whatever. Right. You know, um, failure you know, does but, a really good job of reproducing their stuff live too. Failure, it, so tight for a, a trio. It's amazing. Yeah. And that's cool if a band can do that, but I've never felt the need to, and I don't care if other bands do it either. I don't right. mind um, hearing something different, a little bit different on the record than I hear. But for the most part, I mean, the songs, you know, the songs and you can tell. And yeah, I don't yeah. think anybody, I don't think anybody's missing some of the other parts that, you know, I mean, our, our keyboard player, you know, sometimes plays piano and organ at the same time on the record. Obviously she's not doing it at the studio right. because um, <laughs> she doesn't have four hands, right. but um <laughs> She doesn't. But uh, Allison Hinderleiter, by the way, our keyboard player. And then our, I might as well name check our guitarist too, Jeffrey Kamisiak, our lead guitarist. Are, I was going to ask amazing. you about those because I couldn't pronounce a couple of those. So I'm glad you. You are not the only one. And we do that. We purposely find band members whose names are very hard to pronounce. I, it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. Going back, I really enjoy the big sound of the albums. They're great. Like, like Electro Love thank is you. just great. I love that song. Oh, thank you. When I'm all alone With no one else but me at home Sometimes I'll tidy up to hear the sound You're so unclean You're my clean machine You're so good to me My electrolove, my electrolove, my electrolove, my electrolove, my electrolove Now the new album is just, it's very big 70s sound to it. I burn the rails. It's just such a really cool throwback sound, but it's not, it, it doesn't sound old. Yeah, I don't know if I'm getting you're, it out across correct, but. No, you're actually spot on. And we're really glad that you noticed that because that was pretty much our goal. Oh, good. Um, good. We were well, super into for this record. Yeah, for this record. I mean, we had different influences for, all of our different records and this one was specific. And so, and that was part of the handcuffs was that we, you know, wanted to evolve. We didn't want every single, every record to sound exactly the same as the last one. Um, Although there's still like a cohesive thread and, you know, some of our favorite artists are also like that. They evolve from record to record. Uh, Beck's a good example. PJ Harvey is a good example um, of people who, who evolve from record to record. But this, this is, that was our goal for this record. We listened to a ton of like, early to mid seventies, like early mid seventies glam and just kind of rock and roll. Okay. And we kind of, we wanted to filter all that through a modern lens a little bit. All um, that stuff that you like to hear, even the younger people, they hear it. Like that's amazing. Like Led Zeppelin is, is a good example. Hey dad, have you ever heard of this band called, you know, I was like, yeah. you know, 
because it's like, well, something about that. I said, we almost wanted to make a record. It was almost like a, it was a, some long lost yeah. record from that era or something. And we really like checked out stuff that we liked. And we're like, oh, yeah, God, what's another song that kind of like the background vocals fit like that? And we were like, oh, how about we like check it out? And I go, oh, yeah, yeah. Or we'd like, you know, nowadays everybody has all these layers of this and that. And yeah. And during the solo, there's a rhythm guitar underneath it. And we were like, yeah, it's kind of like, oh, let's put this, see what they do. And it's like, he goes into the solo. There's no there's rhythm no guitar. Rhythm. Yeah, all like, right, pull like it out. Our... You know, yeah. so it was like you know, that kind of cool 70s kind of and, production. And stuff. we wanted the, like that sort of analog warmth. Yeah. Um, analog, analog warmth of um, that sort of 70s rock and roll, but also a little bit of the in your face rock right yeah. um i mean no one we can't really think of a lot of bands that are trying to do that or that long lost cool rock thing you know yeah, we, it's like let's do it let's get it you know so yeah. what's old is new again and uh, we just love that stuff and we hate for it to be lost and but i think good. even some of the artists like that we've we were influenced by especially uh, for this record are becoming and there's one of that our, one of our yeah. and, uh, that one's mine that's oh. your cat. There's your cat. Tell your daughter. Tell Joe. That, that's that cat I was telling you about. Right. So um, even some of the artists like that we were, you know, like Bowie and Led Zeppelin, um, a lot of like the younger generation, like the kids nowadays are sort of getting into that stuff. You know, Bowie had a resurgence, you know, um, especially like after he died yeah. and then he had an exhibit. Led Zeppelin, I, a lot of my friends kids are super into led zeppelin oh um, yeah my kids are all into it like because i play it yeah. a lot but it's, yeah. yeah but i mean they're, Mata they, Hoople, yeah Mata like Hoople and, uh, is another one they've had a resurgence because they did a reunion tour sparks so you guys all right you, you brought up Mata Hoople because i wanted to ask you about this how did you start working with morgan fisher who's morgan fisher no i'm kidding <laughs> he's the the ma morgan morgan is dinner ready yet that's the other cat <laughs> morgan come on get on it <laughs> No, Morgan, we I think was sort of like an accident. Like, be careful when you meet your heroes because they might turn out to be awesome. Yes. Um. So we, Brad and I, had gone to see the Mata Hoople reunion uh, at the Chicago Theater, which is a big concert theater here in town, and it was amazing. It was crazy good. Awesome. It was the three uh, members from Mata Hoople '74, which were Ian Hunter, uh, Morgan Fisher on piano, and Ariel Benda on guitar. And um, I have to say it like that because there's a song where Ian Hunter yells that in the song. So in case anybody's keeping track. And then Ian Hunter has a young like crack band called the Rant Band who he also had, um, they were backing up and the whole night was amazing and all the musicians were great. So I wrote a review of the show that I just posted on my Facebook page. Okay. It was a pretty detailed review. It was kind of, silly i mean it wasn't silly but you know i used some profanity and it wasn't like a serious publication right view, right but it was sort of went viral and somebody saw it and asked they actually wrote brad and said hey i want to you i want to put your wife's review in my online magazine and i'll pay her for it wow and then i said oh okay so i kind of cleaned it up not cleaned it up you know less profanity but cleaned it up made it a a, a a better written review and okay. like and, and uh, made it a little longer and and did it like a proper review and they published it. And then Morgan saw it, that went viral. And then Morgan saw it. And then he friended me on Facebook 
Um, he looked up um, and uh, in the article, uh, in the little review I wrote, it said, you know, Chloe F. Orwell from the handcuffs, the band. And he looked up our band. Then he he um, we became friends on Facebook. That's awesome. Like, And just su- super hit it off. And then Brad. Well, well first, didn't we see like a something that he had written and somebody sent it to us? Yeah. And it said, yes. Oh, this is amazing uh, review of our the best review, review so I've ever seen. And, and it was. And, and yeah. this gal named blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And she has this band. And I looked up the band, the handcuffs, and they're amazing. And yeah. So he, wow. yeah, that, that, you're, you're correct. We're like, oh, that's And cool. then we, yeah. And then so then we became friends on Facebook. And then. We just super hit it off the three of us as friends. He's like, he lives in Japan. Oh. Um, he's English, but he, but he lives in Japan. And um, yeah, we started like Zoom meetings with him because the pandemic started. And then we started yeah. Zoom meeting with him and just hanging out with him, uh, you know, on we Zoom. We just heard from him today. Yeah, we just actually heard from him. Oh, and he tell us he became like, he kind of became like our favorite uncle, you know? <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and then he said, oh, he was like, oh, if you ever want me to play on any of your stuff and we we're like huh that would be kind of cool Let's see. we're Somebody like from Mata Hoople. i know we're like which is Playing which was a huge it. influence on this record well, like huge i'll let so, you know yeah we'll so we um we'll so yeah later. we talked to our keyboard player and said hey what <laughs> what songs would you suggest and she helped us pick out some of the songs she still plays on them but but he but he added some other some amazing things uh That's awesome. you know on top of what she did which was completely different and just great and um and the, there's a song on there super inspired by Mata Hoople. you would think you played on that one but he did yeah oh so really which is yeah there was what yeah actually the yeah exactly the one it's called a uh, big fat mouth is which very inspired by Mata Hoople. Um, but, but it turns out he also, he is a very, he is not just like a Mata Hoople type of player, which mm-hmm. is like this sort of that, like rock and roll, you know, bar room piano, right. uh, great stuff. He was, but he was he, doing like crazy, like almost like Oingo Boingo. Yeah. And they're or, like way out there when they get way out there, he was doing stuff like that back, like in the late seventies. Yeah. Oh, wow. And he's like super creative synth player and he's got like albums out on that. So he was happy to do, we did have him do like a very, uh, Mata Hoople type piano part on one of the songs, but then he, he did this amazing synth part on another song, which was completely, you know, not what no. mo- the other. Wait, cat yeah, no. <laughs> that is not our cat. <laughs> that was not mine Mark, either. I don't mark your cat. <laughs> um, they're like, we're supposed to eat, you right. know, yeah. so, at, yeah, eight, like the, at eight o'clock. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, he, you know, some people would be like, oh, I didn't know Morgan did that kind of stuff because they don't know him from, uh, you know, other than maybe Matthew Hoople. He also like toured with Queen. He had wow. another band like in the 60s called Love Affair. Um, oh, my gosh. But yeah, it ended up being just one of those, um, you know, sometimes with you, Yoko. Yeah. Or... Yeah. He played with he, sometimes you meet your rock and roll heroes and they're like, eh. This, yeah. this time we became amazing. For, he's like family. Again, he's like, he's like my favorite uncle. He played on a Hanoi Rocks. Oh, he did he? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh. 
that's something I just learned today. Well, I've enjoyed the the new album and just some amazing riffs like Grapefruit. I that's a great song. Oh, thanks. I love that. track though is the ballad of fritz and zoom oh thank that, you that's got this like big like zeppelin sized riff it's it's amazing who are fritz and zoom we'll never tell oh, did i just meet them in the background <laughs> <laughs> no that, you did not meet fritz and zoom um although next cat we get fritzy zoom no um but Junior. a fun fact about that song well a fun, go ahead. Tell the fun fact. Uh, the lyrics. They have lyrics. The lyrics, the lyrics to that. Song. There are lyrics. Fun fact. Yeah. There is, are lyrics. Is, uh, in fact, <laughs> I went through all of my history of band. You know, Elvis Brothers, Screams, even a side project thing that we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Handcuffs, Big Hello, of just my songs and Chloe's song titles. Okay. And we picked out, and those are all the, every, all the every line in that is a song title, except for the chorus. The chorus is something except different. Except for the, but chorus. all the verses are song titles from that, our past career. That is awesome. That we wrote. I love that. Either separately or together. Um, actually, I guess they're all separate songs that we wrote. But yeah, and mm -hmm. we and we actually ended up listing a gazillion song titles, and then we sort of worked on it to how it would Which tell one? tell a story. Um, and how it would which ones know, work, which ones it rhythmically work. and lyrically work in the song and melodically. And I love so that, that. That's a fun fact. That Thank is you. awesome. imagination who the ballad of fritz and zoom are all right i love i love how the album ends too with, with the end of the party into tobogganing thank you that is really cool <laughs> you listened to the whole thing yes yay <laughs> yes and i love tobogganing that that's that's funny
But I, I actually actually love the, the music in tobogganing. I mean, that's a that's an awesome riff. I mean, the guitar throughout the whole album is incredible. Yeah, you guys our, have a great band. Our um our lead guitarist Jeffrey is is really really good and super got this the mood of this album oh. like sonically i mean it it was just perfection oh, all absolutely. the way through and um almost like on uh our first single which just came out from the album uh, April. i cry for you on that throughout like this is someone's like he's making his guitar like you know cry, cry. yeah like yeah. you know like while my guitar gently weeps you know clapping yeah it's it's really and emotive think, yeah he's just like it's really uh pulling it out for that one and uh yeah. yeah and he just uh he he's so intuitive with what a song needs uh sound wise and rhythm wise Everybody in our band is like that. We're all, we're so, we're so lucky. Our band is great and, and we love them and we wish we could just have a band house and all live together. I'm just glad that you guys keep me hanging around. <laughs> yes, yeah. we do. <laughs> so what's up next for you guys? Is, is, are there tours or live shows in the works? We have some live shows here in town and a few like outdoor kind of things. I mean, we would like to tour. We just, you know, there still is sort of the pandemic. So we're kind of trying to be a little careful. Um, we had a bad experience with the, with the, with the COVID. With the COVID. <laughs> with the old <laughs> demon COVID uh, in the fall. Oh, wow. So, and uh, Brad, we had, we had actually the whole band got it. Oh man. Um, like boom, but like little dominoes. Um, and we was, were all we were all vaccinated, um, vaccinated and careful. Safe, um, careful and we had to cancel a super big festival show oh. uh, because we had tested positive like two days before that. So, or oh. actually, it was the day the day before. I had to tell the promoter. I had to call the promoter. They were super understanding, of course. Yeah. But Brad had a pretty terrible reaction, uh, side effect from COVID, not from the vaccine, from COVID. So, oh wow, and it was very scary so um we but you know we i still have my teeth no so you know i mean and he's fine and he's fully recovered but so you know we're still kind of gonna i mean i know everybody i know people are touring and everything now but um i think until we can maybe do it carefully and and correctly and you know maybe get a tour bus even and be able to take covid tests every other day or something but um yeah i mean Short answer: We yeah, we do. We definitely want to do some touring. But so, you guys, course, go, you guys, gonna make sure you're comfortable with it. Yeah, we just want, and we also don't want to kill anybody. Eh, so, you know, you know, I, I feel like we owe it to people to not to not kill people. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess you know, no such thing as bad publicity. Right? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess if we killed a few fans, whatever. whatever. I mean, don't 
edit that out. <laughs> that, was, that was terrible. It's like the, you know, I don't know. Like the and a room full of people is bad enough, but then people forget about all the travel stuff you got to yeah. do. You yeah. got to go eat in restaurants and and this and it's like, oh, I forgot about all that stuff. You know? Yeah. So, but now we're but now we just want to do we're doing we just want to do podcasts with people like you. Oh, I appreciate that. It's not a live show, but you know, there's a little comedy involved. It doesn't involved matter least. as long as we get to see your dogs after the show. I'll or after the I don't show. know where they're at. If not, no big deal. You just have to send us a picture. Well, oh, I can do that. I can do that. Well, because <laughs> where can that'd be so much easier. Can, okay. <laughs> it might be. But then I can't go hi. Like it might be easier. Room with them. But where can people follow the band? How can they get the album and uh, keep an eye on what you guys are up to? We're on. We Pravda are on Records. Pravda Records, which is a uh, Chicago record label that's been around. They're celebrating their 38th anniversary oh, wow. this year. They've had a lot of success, um, and they're this really cool indie label. Oh, they yeah. lasted way longer than Infinity MCA. Yeah, they lasted <laughs> longer than the Screams label. Infinity. Um, a lot longer. Yeah, it uh, right. Infinity. They didn't... That's actually pretty... eternity. Actually, no? that's sort of funny now that I think about it. <laughs> I know. Infinity didn't last that long. It's in did the it? book, I actually kind of joke about. Um, not a see, so as on, the wizard, on... I read your book already and I knew it. Oh Thank yeah, you. I um, that should be your new. You are the wizard. See, we've nick... <laughs> we've given you a nickname, um, the music wizard. I'm gonna change all my intros to "I'm your host, the wizard." Please do. Oh my gosh, that would be great. We already have a song before. Yeah, we do. We have when we have your song. When we we are we wrote a new song. We've about already got a bunch of new songs started right. for the oh next album. But anyway, dog just went upstairs. Sorry, they just ran upstairs. Aww. I just I was trying to get I was trying to get the phone to uh, turn, and I they just ran upstairs. That's that's okay. My wife's Burn going upstairs now too. Okay. Okay. Bye, bye. So Burn sorry, I interrupted. I interrupted your promotional uh, okay. thing. Uh, no oh, worries. Yeah. It's um. Uh, the album, the new album's called "Burn the Rails." It has thirteen songs. It's on Pravda Records. It it's will on be on all the streaming all and that. download platforms. The website is currently being rehabbed, but we're at thehandcuffs.com or Facebook.com/slash/thehandcuffs, Bandcamp, The Handcuffs, Twitter, and her phone number is seven seven. <laughs> that's where. That's funny because I don't even have a phone. No. Oh. No, I do have. You know why? Because you don't want the man to see your name, right? You don't want the man. What? You don't want the man to find out where you are. Right. I don't want the man. Ah, I got a chip. Um, we've all got chips. Um, <laughs> I think I got. Like we have four chips. Of them we now. do have chips. We carry them around in our hands all day. I had a whole bag um, of them earlier. That's anyway, um, and you have an Instagram so account. We have Instagram. Awesome. Uh, just whatever the Instagram. Slash the hair. I don't know. However, they do it. Instagram.com. At, at the handcuffs. Instagram. Yeah. Instagram yeah. Elvis. Yes. That's probably what it is. Probably. <laughs> and um. Yeah. So they can people can find us. You know what they can do? They can Google us and they can see that we are the handcuffs because. because and then the they won't name their band that. The handcuffs. The yes, the handcuffs. Yeah. So we're excited about. We have some videos out. One of them was released and premiered, and then the two other ones are going to be out soon. Whenever the suit puts them out, I'm kidding. The label. Man. Yeah. No, the label who are great. And I don't know. I got nothing else. Recipes. Do you want my famous artichoke dip recipe? Oh, I love artichoke dip. Oh, my oh I gosh. wish I could send some. I don't even know where you are. Where are you located? I'm in Winchester, Virginia. Oh, home okay. of Patsy Klein. 
Oh my gosh, really? Yes. That really. is a cool wow, I love that. Oh man. Oh, Patsy's everywhere here. I that Patsy is amazing. She, her voice is just Yeah, oh God. I uh, such a tragedy, man. Yeah. Uh uh. It's too soon. But I know, but uh, <laughs> is it too soon to talk about it? It is. Yeah, I wish I can't. I well, next time I go to Winchester, Virginia, I will make you artichoke dip. Or awesome. when you come to Chicago, when you they, come to Chicago, I'll make you artichoke they, dip. Let me know when you pass when you're gonna when you guys are playing DC. I'll come. We'll come out and uh, all right. We'll swap maybe some we'll play Winchester. Maybe maybe we'll play maybe we'll play Winchester we'll, Cathedral. We'll play at oh. the nine thirty nine thirty club. There you go nine thirty. The Black Cat. Where's that? Nine. Those are. Those are probably long gone, right? No, nine thirty is still there. Nine thirty, Black Cat still there. DC nine, what, Union Station. What uh, what town are we talking? DC. DC. Oh, okay. I played nine thirty, and you play. You probably played the old nine thirty. They moved about six or seven years ago, I think. Yeah, it was a long time. So, ago. Yeah, it's still a great I think club. I played, played somewhere around there with uh, Romantics in the last. You did. I remember six you years. flying. I remember to flying and pretty yeah. quite low and. Seeing all the sites, you know, oh, there's the Capitol. Knocking the top off the Washington Monument. Yeah. Like, oops. Sorry. (laughs) That that was us. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much. It's been so much fun speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.